0: Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. This past Thursday night my family did what, what is kind of a new tradition for us in the last few years to celebrate the Passover. Uh, it's called the Seder meal. And so we, we did a Seder meal, just the four of us at home. Um, and three years ago, on, on April the 19th, 2019, I have this recorded in my journal. I want to read it to you guys. Um, I, this was one of the most proud moments of my life and some of you probably heard this already, but you're going to hear it again. <laughs> you're going to hear it again because you, you, that's just, you're going to be as proud as I am. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> David was five years old when this happened. I just had the most proud moment of my life as a father. David just gave his life to Jesus. <laughs> We celebrated the Seder Passover meal tonight as a family and shared the story of the Passover and the cross to the kids. David was very interested and teachable with it. We had a lamb with the Seder sides. We had grape juice, matzah bread, and did a Seder activity where the kids have to hunt for this bread that's wrapped up in a cloth. And it's kind of like, um, like an Easter egg hunt, but just for the one thing. And then they win a chocolate prize. And that's just part of the tradition. We even had a seat, a fifth seat at the table, for Jesus with a plate of food for him. So we did it all just like he was there in the, fi- in the flesh with us. I've been planning all week to lead him to the Lord tonight in an official way. I believe he probably already qualified for salvation simply because he is already a believer. But I felt like it would be good to do an official prayer. We went for it when I put him to bed, and he really wanted to do this. Before I led him in the prayer, we worshiped and asked Jesus to come into the room. Then I had him look at Jesus. (laughs) He said he could see part of Jesus. He saw his head and his his torso. Like, seriously saw him. David sees in the spirit, it's... It's pretty. It blows my mind sometimes, and some sometimes, often, when when we're when we're soaking and recounting the Lord, like I'll i feel presence in the room, and sometimes I feel it in concentrated places. Sometimes I can I know that it's God's glory. Sometimes I know it's Jesus manifesting Himself in the room. Sometimes it's angels, and the and I have a discerning. Often I'm not saying all the time when I know, and there's been so many times when. David would start telling me that he's seeing things, because he can see in the Spirit often, and he sees exactly what I was sensing, and sometimes I'll see it with my spirit eye, and it all matches up. So that happened this night, because where, where he said he saw Jesus, where he saw his head and his torso, was right in the spot that I was sensing his presence. I had him ask Jesus if he forgives his sins, And Jesus said, Yes. I'll give a power pause right there because that's the most important thing that could ever be said. All right? Does Jesus forgive my sins? Yes. Why don't you guys ask him that right now? Jesus, do you forgive my sins? He says, Yes. That's powerful. I led him in the prayer of salvation which acknowledges his faith and love for Jesus. After he prayed, he said he could see all of Jesus. It went from just seeing his head and his torso to seeing his entire being. Like, uh, no, (laughs) listen to me. He saw Jesus. (laughs) You guys want to see Jesus, right? No, he saw Jesus in his bedroom. After he prayed, he said he could see all of Jesus. And that blew my mind that Jesus was partially revealed before salvation, but fully revealed after salvation. That's so prophetic and so real. Come on. It blew my mind. (laughs) I I had David ask Jesus if he has anything to say to him. So he asked, do you have anything to say to me, Jesus? Then he laid there silently and occasionally... I'd hear him say things like, yeah, no, uh-huh, it was juice, and then a couple other things. I had no idea what was going on on his experience there, but it sounded like I was listening to a telephone conversation. He told, then he told Jesus, I'm going to go to sleep now, and then he was done. <laughs> Five-year-old boy. I asked David what Jesus said, and and Jesus said this. This is the other side of the phone conversation, all right? Jesus said, I heard you guys made a spot for me at the table and left a meal for me. (laughs) That's amazing. Do you know what that tells me? That the things that we do that we could think are just tradition, that he actually considers it the real thing, and he's right there presently interactive with our acts of worship to him. That's like, like we we have no clue when we're here worshiping on Sundays that he's literally here lavishing love back to us. The presence that you feel when you worship sometimes is actually. His heart being so swelled with love and joy for you that you're experiencing the overflow of his expression back to you. Come on. Jesus said, "I heard you guys made a spot for me at the table and left a meal for me." It was just as real to Jesus as it was to us putting lamb in our mouth. Come on I, I couldn't oh and then and then Jesus said, also he said. I also know there is chocolate for you. <laughs> That's pretty special to a 5-year-old for Jesus to have for an encounter. He actually said he he acknowledges the chocolate. Like Jesus loves the small stuff too. I don't remember the other things he said to him, but I remember this. Jesus said, "I think that was my blood in those cups." We poured grape juice in there and took communion with it. He said, "I believe that was my blood in those cups." Whoa. Can you just take a second? We just had communion. Like, it's real to Him. It's real to Him. I believe that was my blood in those cups. Wow. It's so much more personal to Him. He wants to make it so personal to us. Amen? After Jesus said, I think that was my blood in those cups, that, that's when, Je- when David replied and said, no, it was juice. <laughs> it's like David was correcting Jesus. <laughs> it was so funny. Isn't that amazing? Wow. Praise God. He, he's a good God. He's a good God and He's a personal God. He's a personal God. I love the, the Passover. The, that was, the, you know, God, God rose up Raised up, Moses, to be a deliverer. And he was, he was actually a, an Old Testament representation of Jesus. He was a foreshadow, prophetic model of what Jesus was going to be, the deliverer. Okay? And, and he delivered them from the bondage of slavery in Egypt. And God started sending the plagues and the, and the, the, the punishments to the people who were worshiping false gods. But, he, to, but to set his people free from sin and bondage. Hallelujah. And the last plague that he was going to send was, was to send a death angel into the entire nation. And he was, going to, he was going to kill the firstborn of every household and every animal family. The firstborn. But he gave them the Passover. And he said, he said you're going to be 100% exempt from this if the blood of a lamb is painted over your doorway. How many of you guys know that you are a temple? You're a temple. You're a house to God. Okay? And, and the blood of the Lamb was representative of what Jesus was going to do on the cross to, to save us from punishment that we all deserve. Hallelujah. When, when God looks at the blood... He passes over. All right, it, it, the, the, There's no wrath. There's no punishment for those who are covered under the blood of Jesus. That's, in, that's incredible. And it's also amazing to me that God gave them the Passover before they went into the wilderness. It was before Moses went on Sinai, before he went up on, on the mountain, had an encounter with God, and God gave him the law that they had to live by so that they would be, they would be a nation that lived under a religious law system that created a different form of bondage for people. By the way, they chose that. That wasn't God's plan. I don't have time to preach that one right now. But it was never God's intention. And he gave them the Passover, the blood of the lamb, the freedom from all bondage before the law ever came into effect. That was always his plan. Hallelujah. Isn't that amazing? One of the most profound things that Jesus did by dying on the cross was to set us free from the legal system, set us free from law, from the old covenant rules and regulations that nobody could ever live up to and do it well, all right? A lot of people think Christianity is about the rules. It's about the yeses and the no's, the do's and the don'ts, the, 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 the striving to become the goody two-shoes of the world. For a lot of people, it's unappealing. For a lot of Christians, they're miserable because they, they believe that that's how God is. But Jesus came to set us free, not to bind us up. Amen? He came to set us free. And, and it still involves obedience, but a different kind of obedience than religious works and self-righteous obedience. All right, Jesus said, if you love Me, you will obey My commandments. Now obedience isn't religious legalism. It's, it's an act of love. We don't work for love. We work from love. Come on. When you love somebody, you, you want to do right things for them. You, when you love someone, you don't want to hurt their heart. So love drives us to do the right things, but it's not legalism. He set us free from that. Hallelujah. It's not about religion and works. It's about relationship. Come on. The old covenant law, it, it involved works. It involved using your own strength, your own ability, your own, your own ability to remember how to do all the rules in the first place. None of us have that sharp of a memory. Well, maybe some of you guys, you are smarter than me, I'll give you that. But, but I don't think any of us are going to remember all those rules and then be able to keep up with them, all right? In the old covenant, we have all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? Okay? There's lots of condemnation. There's lots of shame and guilt when we function from legalism. And let me tell you, even people in the world who don't have Jesus yet and don't even consider themselves legal or, or, sorry, religious are still functioning from the same thing because it's how do I perform my way into a better life? Okay? You can't. You might, you might get promotions or make somebody happy, but it's not going to do anything for your, for, for your eternity or for your inner security or your freedom, okay? And under the Old Covenant, there's lots of glory too. Like God never, He, he never stopped being the glorious one. And when He shows up, His glory is revealed. And there are many encounters of cr- incredible glory under the old covenant, but even still, when, when we're functioning from something separate than what Jesus gave us, and a lot of us are, even though we're saved, it, sa- it says in the Old Testament, I should have found the verse for this, but it, it, it actually says that your righteousness, and it's talking about what you try to do on your own abilities, your right- righteousness is equivalent to filthy rags. You can't do it good enough to be better than filthy rags. And when I say you, I also mean me. Okay? I'm not the pointy finger staunch, it's you guys, you're going to hell. I'm not doing that. Me too. (laughs) I qualify the same as you. All right? We, We could never fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. We could never be anything better than filthy rags in and of our own selves. All right? I think it's important that we all not only recognize that, but acknowledge it. If you dare, I'd like to have you repeat this after me. (laughs) And you don't have to, but I think it'd do us all good. All right? Jesus, if it weren't for you, I would be filthy rags. I couldn't be righteous. There's nothing I could do to measure up. Without you I can do nothing. I can't get myself to heaven. I can't make God happy. I can't do any of it on my own. I deserve hell. Whoa, take a second on that one. I I deserve hell. That's a, that's a good one to gloss right over. That's a good one to avoid and forget about and never think of again. Except we need to. Because we, we need to remember how great the gift of God's sacrifice was and why we needed it. It was in the New Covenant. It was in John 15 when Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. Okay? Like, we need to know that. We can only value God to the extent that we know that we needed Him. I needed Jesus to die on that cross. I needed Him to die on that cross. I used to be addicted to pornography, and that thing bound me up. I couldn't get myself out of it. And I was a Christian. I needed Jesus to die on that cross. I needed Jesus to die on the cross so that He could release forgiveness that I would never be able to deserve. I needed Jesus to die on the cross not just to forgive me, but to shed blood that could actually cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Not just forgiveness that says, I forgive you and I'm going to ignore this thing that you still have and love you despite it, He's that good. But He's way better than that. He didn't just die so He could overlook it. He died so He could actually cleanse us from it. Washing us and rinsing us clean and pure and making us as white as snow. But He didn't just stop there, guys. He didn't just forgive your sin. He didn't just cleanse your sin. He also removed the sin nature that was causing you to have to keep it on a repeat pattern all the time. He set us free from the old the the old sinful nature, man. I've been crucified with Christ Hallelujah. He didn't just try to give us mercy. He's so merciful. And mercy is is the the decision. It's a gift. It's a free gift. You don't deserve it, guys. Neither do I. But mercy is where, where God says, you deserve this. And let me just say, I'm talking about hell. I'm talking about bondage. I'm talking about like never enjoying life again. We deserve that. But mercy says, I know what you deserve and I'm not going to give you the thing that you deserve. So he cleanses and he wipes our slate clean. Hallelujah. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't just remove the old and take away the junk. He actually replaces it with something so much better. So grace comes with mercy. It doesn't just remove us from the debt and the, bl- the red side of, the, of, of our debts, all right? He doesn't just clear the slate. He, he actually releases grace into us, and grace is the impartation of God's goodness himself. That he doesn't just take things away, but he adds to All right? And so he he imparts his heart. He imparts his nature. He imparts his kingdom to his children. And he actually doesn't just take us out of the red, he launches us far into the black. Taking away the old sin nature that's the cross. Launching us into the new nature of sonship, daughterhood in Christ that's the resurrection. Hallelujah. <laughs> By the way, he set me free from pornography. What? Hallelujah. Yeah. Years ago. It's not, even, it's not even part of my life. People can struggle with things and think, well, that's going to be my lot in life. It's going to be my thorn in the flesh. Or it's going to be the, the, it's going to be the thing that I have to keep getting grace and mercy on constantly over and over. And, over. and he'll give it to you if, you if you truly repent. But he says, that's not good enough. That's not all I did for you. That's not the finished work of the cross. That's just part of it. Amen. If we could know what God's done, He actually inserted Himself into us and became the nature that we can live from. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Hallelujah. We can't just stop at the crucifixion. We've got to step into resurrection and allow His life to live inside of us and spring forth. He can shift all things. He, he comes in and He breaks strongholds. He destroys and demolishes every work of Satan in our lives. And He gives us so much power that we can live victoriously and live in glory and anointing and freedom. Hallelujah. Is anybody thankful for the work of Jesus Christ? <laughs> he, he came into this earth so that He could destroy and annihilate the, the bondage of the old covenant. And so he could start a whole new covenant for us. <clears throat> and covenants have to be ratified by blood and death. Okay? They have to be. And Abraham... In, in the book of Genesis, I, w- I want to say it's chapter, it's either 14 or 15, it's when God came to give Abraham a covenant, and he made a covenant that you're going to have children from your own body, as many as the stars you can see in the sky, and I'm going to give you this land as far as you can see in every direction. And he made a covenant to him. You know what a covenant is? It says, I swear to you that what I've promised, I will do everything I can to make it happen, as long as you stay in covenant, as long as you respond to what, I'm, what, what this deal is, I'm, I will live and die to see this thing to, through to you. And it has to come through blood. It has to come through death. And so God told him to take a heifer, three years old, a lamb, and a goat, and this is kind of gory, cut it down the spine and slice it right in half into two big half chunks and separate them, and make a pathway between them. And God himself, he put put Abraham in a trance, and he could see him in his spirit. And God came, and he walked through that pathway of blood, declaring the, the, the words, the testament of the covenant that he was given to him. You know what's amazing about covenants? That that you are bound to it until death do us part. Marriage is a covenant. And even though we don't do a death per se, we actually are saying to our spouse, I will live and die for you. And I won't mention the blood that's involved there. I'm not trying to be gross or funny, but it's a real thing to God. Okay? And then, there's, and then Moses went on the mountain, and God gave him the law, and there was covenant. And God had to establish it through a sacrifice. It's amazing. Cutting, they, had to, they had to kill an animal. I think it was a heifer. To, to make this covenant happen. And the thing that's powerful about covenants, you're, you're saying, I promise you, and this isn't like a 2022 worldly promise. You know, we get those all the time. I promise this, and then next week, where did that person go? I haven't seen him. Now it's been years since I've seen that person. <laughs> that's, that's like worldly 2022 kind of promises, right? That's not God's kind. Jesus actually said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He meant it. It's a covenant. When he says it, his word binds him to the thing that he promised. Okay? And and the only way that you can get out of a covenant is to die your way out of it. All right? But when, when covenant gets broken by us, actually, this is the Old Testament reality, all right? This is how they lived in that, in that day. It was so real. And God, it was real to God that, that if somebody breaks a covenant, they actually are supposed to die for it. The penalty, dying. You guys might not understand this, and, and I I understand it to some level, but nowhere close to to the fullness of it. God takes covenants very seriously. Like He's serious about it. He shows up in covenants and He shows up when they get broken. All right. The only way to end a covenant is to die. And what did Jesus do on the cross? He died. He died and gave a legal end to a covenant that he never intended for us to be bound to. He died. He shed blood to end a covenant, but also in the same exact act of ending a covenant, He shed blood. He died. His body was broken so that He could establish a new covenant. (laughs) So crazy. It's so crazy. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we all deserve death from sin. Okay? But guess what? Where where death was due, jesus and, and this doesn't mean just dying, it actually is talking about eternity here. Okay? Where death was due, the sinless one came and stepped into our place to become our substitute so that he could die so that you won't have to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You better get more excited than that because you, <laughs> you don't know what he caused you to miss out on. <laughs> Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That includes you. That includes me. We all have. And, and we all, because we've sinned, actually deserve the wages of death. But Jesus took it for us. Hallelujah. Amen? Amen. So there was a new covenant made. And it was made by death on the cross. And I want to say and declare that Easter should be celebrated every single day of the year because it's not about April the 17th. It's about 2,000 years ago, Jesus dying on the cross. And He put it in the eternal present realm where it always has power every single day. And the cross paid the price for all things kingdom to happen. And the resurrection released it into our lives. So everything in the kingdom of God is actually centered around the cross, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It all flows forth from that reality. We want to live a nice Christian life. Jesus paid the price for you to do that. I want to minister in healing. Jesus paid the price for you to do that. I want to see this the captive set free. Jesus paid the price for you to do that. I want to prosper and do well in life. Jesus paid the price for you to do that. He, he didn't just pay a price to give you this. He made a covenant with you that this is yours if you should believe. God's made a covenant with himself for his word to be established to all people who will believe it. A covenant that says everything that he he died for, he, he, he proclaimed to us, all the things that are our benefits in the kingdom of God through this covenant. Jesus is saying, I promise to you that I will follow through with everything that I said I'll do on my side of this thing. I promise. And if he would ever break his promise, guess what? He would have to die all over again. That ain't gonna happen. God's good on his word. We're so used to a culture where people's word could mean squat. Squat. In the world and in the church. I'll do this for you. Until the better thing came along. Whatever, whatever it is, we've seen promises broken all the time. Don't need to mention politics. <laughs> but God is the God of his word. He'll never, ever let his word go void Come on. He didn't just say good words to tickle our ears. He actually said promises that He has covenanted. We don't understand the power of covenant. I think the more that we can understand and get a revelation of belief on covenant, the more we're going to see His Word get manifested in our life because I don't know that we actually know that we can take Him for His Word. Come on. The cross is more powerful than we know. There's so much more power released when Jesus died on the cross than we have a clue. When he died, the earth shook. The sky went dark in the in daytime. And the, and the curtain in the temple that separated the holy place from the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant would have sat was torn in two to make a, to make a proclamation to the world. I'm no longer going to have people separated from My presence if you will come in the way that I've provided. Hallelujah. Come on. The resurrection is more powerful than we could ever know. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And when you are the resurrection and the life and then you die, guess what happens? (laughs) You just can't help yourself. You resurrect and you live. His nature is so powerful that even though death, which by the way, he chose, so he actually submitted himself to death, but still he's so powerful with Zoe, abundant life. That's who he is. He's actually, he's actually the very source of all life. You put him down, guess what? It doesn't last longer than three days. And that's because he chose three days. Do you guys hear me? When Adam and Eve sinned and they brought sin into the world and, and they yielded the keys of authority to Satan so that he could become the God of the world... And, and they opened Pandora's box for darkness and evil and destruction and death and sickness and sin and bondage and all the horrible things that's in the world right now. Okay? They, they, they went to a tree. And then they sinned. And then that tree became the exit door out of the Garden of Eden. To where they could no longer come back and eat from the tree of life out of God's mercy he didn't want them to have eternity in a bound up state okay in the same way Jesus is called the second Adam okay and he came to restore all things that happened with humanity that was never God's plan and intention for anyone God's so merciful, he he saw this broken place, and he's like, I I knew what was going to happen, so I created a plan to totally come and trump all of that stuff and restore it. And so he sent Jesus as the second Adam to put in reverse all the things that happened on this earth, all right? So Jesus, he, he actually, who was sinless, he actually... Took sin. He, he became sin. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, For he made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. Hallelujah. Guess why? That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Whoa. You mean me who, I, I was trying to do it on my own and, that, and at my best day, my righteousness was equal to filthy rags? You took my sin and became sin for me. You became a substitute for all the things that I deserve. You became sin for me. And not only did you take my sin, but you actually gave me something in return so much greater than how horrible my sin was. You made me the righteousness of God. God loves you so much that he didn't just want to see you not struggle with sin anymore. He he gave you by faith, right? you got to receive it by faith. He gave you the gift of his righteousness and put it in you and made you righteous. Righteous means being in right standing as if you never sinned before. As if you were always the, the best person that God's ever created. He bestowed that on you. Freely. You didn't deserve it, but He freely gave it. So now what you do deserve, doesn't even, it doesn't even relate to you anymore. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Everybody say, I've been set free from the curse. And then it says, having become a curse for us. Whoa, you mean all of us, we had curse on our lives, the lack of God's blessing, and you took away that curse by becoming a curse? Jesus, the pure one, the sinless one, loved you so much that he actually took the entire curses of the world into his body so he could nail it to the cross. (laughs) Come on. How much love is that? How much love is that? All right. So the second Adam, he remembers he remembers Adam. He was there. He remembers Adam sinning. And through the tree being the doorway out and, and raising the entire human race in darkness separate from God, okay? He remembers, he was there. But now he became the second Adam and he went to the tree, the cross. Took all sin upon himself. It's the reversal. So that the cross could become the doorway back in to the kingdom of God. Humanity exited out and have been on the outside. Jesus and the cross brought all people in. Come on, but it has to come through the cross, has to come through the blood of Jesus, has to come through the one doorway. And Jesus said, he said, "I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life, and nobody can come to my Father except through me. There's only one way, and it's not by being good enough. As a matter of fact, the, the, the yuckiest sinners of the world are entering in in droves. It's not because of how good you are. It's because of how good He is. And the cool thing about the cross and it being a doorway back in is that you can't take that stuff in with you. So you've got to come to the cross and shed it off. And then you enter into the resurrection of Jesus Christ that brings you into it shed of all the things that the, that the world put on you, and now you're completely free and blameless and holy in His sight. You guys need to get more excited about that. <laughs> Some good stuff. You're chewing. That's good. All right. You, what are you chewing? Truth. You're chewing truth. All right, I'm gonna, I want to read a little passage out of Hebrews chapter 10. Before I close here, Hebrews 10, and I'll start with verse 11. <clears throat> every, high, sorry, every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. And I want you to remember that covenants require blood, right? They had to do it every day. All right? But this man, talking about Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down where? At the right hand of God. From that time, waiting till the enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he, guess what? For by one offering, Lord, let this land in people's hearts in a profound way right now. By one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Through the blood of Jesus, the sacrifice of Jesus, the cross, we come in by faith, and, and guess what? It only works through humility, okay? Because that means we have to be like, Lord, I didn't deserve it. I lay myself down to you. I come to you, and I enter in the only way you can. And, and I, I bring my faith into it through repentance and complete surrender to the Lord. Okay? And that's being sanctified. Is that heart posture. By one offering, He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. When, when we... Yield our lives to Him in faith and receiving the grace. Through, and we get salvation through that. We're being sanctified. And as long as we're staying in that place, he is, it says He is, has perfected you. That means that when God looks at you and He's already given you freely righteousness that you didn't deserve, it's no longer the old righteousness that says filthy rags because that old sinful nature actually died on the cross with Him. And you came in through Jesus Christ. He gave you His righteousness. And now when He sees you in that place, He looks at you and says, This is my perfect child. I screwed up yesterday. You're under my blood. You're my perfect child. When we ask God to forgive us for our sins, it totally, completely restores us back under that blood, and we can be completely cleansed and forgiven and broken off of all the stuff that we ever have done and be under that fountain of His blood where He looks at you, the Passover, come on. And He says... Those of those, those of you who are under my blood, I see you as perfect. It's my perfect child. Hallelujah! It's amazing. By, where am I? For by one offering, he is perfected forever. Those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnessed to us. For after he said, "Before, check this out. This is out of I think Jeremiah." This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. This is the covenant He made on the cross. I will put my laws into their hearts, and into their minds I will write them. Wait, law? I thought we—I thought you said it was free from law. Oh no, you're talking about your works, like your human works. Now that—that's that, filthy rags. But my laws, I'm going to write them in your heart. That means—that means. That means If you love me, you'll obey my commandments. If you love me, I know you're going to want to please me. If you love me, I know you're not going to want to break my heart. I trust you. I'm going to write the things that I care about into your heart so it's no longer legalism. It's actually relationship and will function from love and relationship instead of legalism and that separate feeling that we're trying to close with our own strength. Come on. I will, I'll put my laws in their hearts. I'll write their, I'll, in their minds, I'll write them. Then he adds, "Check this out. Their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember tomorrow." <laughs> I will remember no more. Whoa. Will, you, mean, you mean that thing that made me feel unqualified to stand face to face before God in the fullness of His glory? I don't remember that. I'm ashamed, Lord. I don't, I don't remember what you were ashamed of. You forget. You, you repented and you got under the blood. I, I don't even see it. It's been washed away. As a matter of fact, it's been washed away, not just to the basin next to us. It's been cast as far as east is from the west. He did a thorough work. Jesus doesn't do a half a job. (laughs) Now where there is remission of these, that's talking about forgiveness, there is no longer an offering for sin. Hallelujah. We don't have to continue to do legalism to try to earn His forgiveness and His goodness towards us anymore. We don't have to continue to sacrifice to pay the price because Jesus paid it once and for all. Now, by faith, we get to simply receive it and enjoy the bounty of all that he's already provided for us. Come on. I'm almost done. I know you got your hams and your crockpots. We do. (laughs) But I'm good. I usually consider my Sunday mornings a fast until sometime in the afternoon. All right, verse 19, this is where... Okay, everything I just said is Jesus ratifying a new covenant, okay? But I want you to check this out, because what I'm getting ready to read is one of the most profound benefits that he's covenanted with you. And when he covenanted, he said, this is how it is in my book, and I am never going to consider anything other than this, or I have to die, okay? You guys get that? Like, like, he actually means what he says. <laughs> That'll preach for a long time. But we got ham. <laughs> All right, verse 19. Verse 19. I hope she put this sl- the, on the slowest cooker setting. All right, verse 19. Therefore, brethren, check this out. Try to enter his presence by ignoring as much shame as you possibly can. Let's just laugh at that. Try to encounter God. Try to work through your junk and see if you can get a little tingle in his presence. Let's just laugh at that. Let me repent for the next five days for the thing that I feel so guilty for and then maybe God will turn a merciful eye to me and give me a moment of satisfaction in his presence. No. That's that's not in the New King James Version at least. Right? The New King James Version says this. Therefore, brethren, and y'all sisters too, having boldness, having boldness, Let's go. having confidence, no shame, no restraint, no half sense of qualification. All right, having boldness, having boldness, having confidence, all right, it can be the same word to enter the holiest. It's talking about the room where the throne of God is, where his glory sits, and we all long to be the encounter place, the place where the seraphim are positioned around Him and they they swirl around Him eternally shouting over Him, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. The place where He was sitting when He created this whole universe. The place that he was sitting when he had to watch his son die on the cross, and he probably shed tears watching his son suffer for you. The place where he commanded Gabriel to come talk to Mary. The place that the, the, the thousands and thousands and probably millions of saints will be worshiping him for eternity. Who wants to be in that place? The place where the Shekinah, weighty Kabod, glory dwells and emanates from. And every time that we have clouds that people can't see through on the earth, it actually came as a portal from that location. <laughs> I want to be there. That place. That place. Therefore, Brothers and sisters, having boldness to enter that place, the Holy of Holies, by the blood of Jesus, do you have to get good enough to go there? Do you have to toil through a long life of religious duty and perfection to get there? No. No No more duty. (laughs) We do not have to... Do those things to get there. We do not have to work our way to be worthy to go there because Jesus finished the work on the cross. And by the blood of Jesus, He has covered you and He looks at you as perfect in His sight. He looks at you as His righteous one because of what Jesus did and because you entered it by faith and submission to Him. Come on. By a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil that is His flesh. Whoa, now it's saying that the veil that separated everything was actually the flesh of Jesus Christ. But it was the flesh that went to the cross and was broken so that the veil was ripped in two and we could walk through. Whoa, walk through the split thing that was actually His body. It says the veil was split in two where the throne of God is. And Jesus' body was the, was the veil and, the, and the, the covenants split the broken body and you walk through it. His throne... Is where you're invited. You aren't worthy on your own, but Jesus bestowed on you something free you didn't deserve. Accept that by faith. Accept that, because He doesn't like looking at you standing on the outside, thinking that you're unworthy to come in to the place that He's already created for you to be. He's not, he's not just handing out passes to people who want it bad enough. He said, I want this bad enough. I died for it. Please don't rob me of this experience of encountering you in my throne room. Thank you, Lord. Says, let us draw near with a true heart or a sincere heart, okay? In full assurance of faith. That means you got to believe everything I just said. <laughs> you have to believe that he's beckoning you to himself. He wants you. He paid for it. He's, he's handing out free righteousness so you can come stand with him. He's given you the robes that you need to wear in that place. You didn't deserve it, but he gave it to you. He paid for it. Let us draw near with a a true, sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He cleanses us when we come close to him. People are trying to get clean so they can come to him. He's saying, Come to me, I'll make you clean. Whoo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Let's give God a praise. Hallelujah. I want you guys to stand. Uh, let's let's take a moment. Let's take a moment and see Jesus on that cross. I want I want everybody's attention for a moment, please. Thank you. I want you guys to look at Jesus on the cross right now and understand that he was ratifying a covenant for you a covenant of blood, a covenant that required death. And, and he says to you, I stand by my word. You know there's promises from God. I stand by My Word. I want you to see Jesus on that cross and know that He he tore the veil open. He made the way. He said, nobody can come to My Father except through Me. Wow. Except through Me. He doesn't just simply mean Get saved. He actually means come to my Father. (sighs) Jesus made the way for you to come to His Father. And we know where the Father is. He's sitting right there on that throne. And He's in heaven where everything's perfect, where Jesus has already paid for everything and completed all of it. And he says, come to my Father through me. And you look at heaven and you see what's there. And you can look at your life and see what doesn't seem to be there or supposed to be there. And he actually wants to, he wants to bring you through the cross where it strips away those things. Where you can come in purely before the Father. And he wants to bring transformation, and he wants to break off all things that don't belong in that place, so that when you go out into the world, you're a person who lives in that place. (coughs) Hallelujah. I want you guys to take a moment and just observe your heart. Ask the Lord, is there anything that's in my life that doesn't work in heaven? It could be sin, it could be belief systems, it could be bondages, it could be, it could be um, unforgiveness, it could be uh, things that you need to get right with somebody, whatever it might be. Just ask Him if there's anything I'm carrying that I need to release to you right now at the cross, because I want to be close to you right now, and He wants to be close to you. Just take a moment, just take a moment. And if there's, in, if there's anybody in here who you aren't sure if you're saved or not, or, or maybe you've been saved, but you're not sure if you're actually right with God and, and uh, maybe backslidden even, or, or maybe you know you've been kind of half with it. Today is the day of salvation. And I don't want you to leave this building with an unassurance of all that God's done for you. And in a moment, we're going to have a few people up here to pray for people. And I want to recommend that you come forward to receive salvation or to, or to make a commitment that you're, you're giving your life back to the Lord. But there, there may be people that you have things that you just need God to shed off of you. And I just want to pray for you right now. Why don't you guys lift your hands to heaven. I'm not going to single people out. This is between you and the Lord. But again, if somebody needs to receive salvation, please come to the front after we, after we close. Please. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. Lord, you have, you have shed your blood so that you could rinse us clean and you could break off everything that doesn't look like you in our lives. So I I ask You, Lord, to release freedom all over this room right now. Release restoration to every person who needs that. We all need upgrades. (laughs) We all need a greater revelation of all these things I'm talking to you about. Because there's more for everybody. Why don't you guys repeat this after me. God... I want everything you have for me. You've already paid for it. You've promised it. You said you're a man of your word. I choose to trust that. I choose to receive that. Any part of my life that doesn't belong, I give it to you. I release it to you. I'm going to let you convict my heart so that I can confess it to you and release it to you and receive your forgiveness. And you're bringing power in my life. You're breaking all bondages and shackles and I'm free in Christ. More than I know. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Let's give God a big shout for being amazing. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.